starting to read from verse 1 of Genesis chapter 17. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. So this chapter actually picks up, and it's hard to tell from the context unless you really look at the, the keys the, the things that are revealed in the scriptures, particularly people's ages and what was happening. So you remember in the last chapter, chapter 16, Hagar was promised a child. And uh, in chapter 17, down in verse 25 of this chapter, it says, now Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old. So we are 13 years, actually 14 years because... Well, 13 years because he was just born at the end of chapter 16. We're 13 years later than where we just left off in chapter 16. It's a period of 13 years. This is the fifth appearance of of God. It says that that, uh, uh, in verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, this is the fifth time, the fifth time that God appears to Abram. But it's 23 years since God has appeared to Abram. 23 years since the appearance. Now, God has spoken, but as far as the appearance, the appearance was not, was not, was, uh, uh, not there until chapter 15. It was back in chapter 15 when he signed the covenant. This was 23 years ago. Now, Mo, now, Abram being, 99, being 99 means that he's been in the land for 24 years. Been in the land for 24 years. So all of the things, that battle that he had, that, that, that uh, uh, going down into Egypt and then soon coming back, and, and then Lot parting from him and going to the battle against, against the four kings, all of that happened very quickly. That was all happening very quickly. But now there's a gap of 23 years since the Lord has appeared to him. 13 years since he's had, since, since uh, Ishmael was born. And that's where this picks up in chapter 17. So think about that. It's 24 years that he's been in this promised land since God made these promises to him. It's 23 years since the last time that God has appeared to Abram. You know, we ask God sometimes for some things and we want Him to do it like right away. Like if He waits five minutes, it's like, don't you know I am busy? I have things to do. You know, can you hurry up with this thing? This is 23 years. So you get this context, you get this sense by reading in Genesis that God is always stirring up and doing some things. But there's huge gaps of time here. This is 23 years. I mean... Most of you here aren't even 23 years old. And uh, uh, this is the gap of time that, that, uh, um, that has gone by without God appearing to Abram. And now all of a sudden he appears again when Abram is 99. Remember when he first appeared to him, Abram was 75 when he told him to come into the land. And now there's 23 years. So Abram is now 99, so he's a much physically weaker person than he was than he was uh, um, 23 or 20, 23 years before when God had last appeared to, to him. He's 99 years old and God appears. And then he says to him, I am God Almighty. 
This is how he starts out. I am God Almighty. This is El Shaddai. This word, this, this, this phrase El Shaddai is, is, means, means uh, um, it's, it's having this perfection. And it's always in the context of God doing something powerfully with somebody. It's, it's spoken of 48 times in the Old Testament. This terminology is used 48 times in the Old Testament. This El Shaddai. And it's translated for us in many of our English translations. It's translated, I am God Almighty. So he's establishing up front, I can do anything. I am God Almighty. I can do anything. All power is in me. And then he gives a command to Abram. Gives him two commands in this one sentence. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. This is what he says to him. Walk before me. Walk before me. Of all things that he could say, that he could call Abram to do at the age of 99, he first starts out and he says, walk before me. This is kind of ethereal. What do you mean, walk before you? What does that look like? What does it look like to walk before God? Jesus comes and He reveals to us often much more. He teaches us much more about things. And He reveals these things to us. And, and in John chapter 12, John chapter 12, Jesus starts to, to really clarify what it means to walk before God. John chapter 12, reading from verse 23. John 12, 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So when Jesus starts out, He's saying the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. In other words, my death now is imminent. People are coming into the city. They're saying, we want to see, we want to see uh, 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 your, 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 your master here, Jesus. So these, these different people from different parts of the world are coming in and they go to the disciples. They say, well, they, we, we want to see Jesus. And so they go to his disciples and his disciples are coming to tell him, and, it, and Jesus sees that the city is filling up with all these people from the Passover. They're getting ready for the Passover. And Jesus answers and says to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's interesting. He's about to go through tremendous suffering, and he speaks of it as a time to be glorified. You see Jesus' perspective here. The time of suffering for Jesus is his time to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He's saying that, he's speaking of his own death. He's saying, unless, unless I die, nothing great is going to happen. And then he relates it to us too. He says, unless there is suffering, there is never going to be this sort of glory. Unless there is pain. Then he becomes more explicit in verse 25 of, of John chapter 12. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world keeps it to life eternal. You know, I was... I was uh, um, studying this passage last night that they have written in research that's been done. They took people and they, they tracked happiness in people. Happiness. 
And you could, you could line up people that were very happy people all the way down to people that were always unhappy. And what aligned perfectly with their degree of happiness was the degree to which they were generous. Not just with their money, but generous of themselves. People who are generous with themselves, giving of themselves, turn out to be happier. Now, if you just think of it analytically, one would think that if I just take care of myself and do stuff for myself and get all this stuff for myself and pamper myself, I should be happier because it's all about me. And what we experience in the world is just the opposite. The happiest people are ones who are giving of themselves. What Jesus demonstrated to us on the cross is a total self-donation, one for the other. Totally giving of himself. A total self-donation, one for the other. And he says, he says, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. But if you hate your life in this world, you're going to keep it to life eternal. Then he says in verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Well, remember, where is Jesus going? He's about to go to the cross. He's about to go into a scourging and a suffering. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. This is what it means to walk as a believer. If you call yourself a believer, what it means is you're following Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Service to Jesus means following him. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. There is tremendous honor in serving Christ. Tremendous honor in serving him. When we serve God, when we serve Jesus, it says, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You serve Jesus, his Father sees it, and he honors you. I've told you this before. If you want to be my friend, be nice to my children. If you do good things to my children, if you are kind to my children, I will automatically love you. I mean, it just happens. Parents love when people are nice to their children, when people show an interest in their children. There are a few people in this city that have really given of themselves for my children. And I love those people. It's the same thing with God. You honor His Son. You respect His Son. And He loves you so much and He will honor you. This is what it says. If we serve the Son, the Father will honor us. That means when we serve Jesus, when we stand with Him, and willing to take bullets for Him, willing to, to do things that pain us personally in order to bless others, there is honor from God. That means God is like, He says to the angels, stand back. See that person serving my son? I've got to go honor them. I've got to go honor them. I'll tell you from my own career, there is no explanation that I should have gotten all the things that I've gotten in my career, discovered all the things that I discovered. I mean, just way, way beyond what's in me. And you say, oh, well, you know, you're very smart. You don't know. You just don't know. People that I grew up with, 
when, you, you know, once in a while I'll come across a person that, that I grew up with and they're like, how did that happen? You were just not even a very good student. And look what happened. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, God has blessed me. Over and over again, He has blessed me because it says, and the Father will honor Him. The Father will honor Him. You know, I've taken a stand on some things, and some people made videos of me speaking on the internet, taking a stand. And, and there's this doctor in Canada who's been emailing me, and he says, you just wait. He says, there's some videos being made about you, and you better retract the videos that you've made uh, uh, so that you can do some damage control now. And, and uh, um, you know, the videos are already out there. You can't, you, once it gets out there, you can't pull it back. Plus, it's, it's too late now. I mean, I've just been so beat up. It's, 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 he thinks that I've not been beat up already. I mean, you can find all sorts of stuff about me. If you take a stand, a public stand, there will be all sorts of things said about you. I'm a Jew who became a believer in Christ. I lost a whole community in that transition. A whole community. And I get Orthodox Jews coming at me all the time trying to bring me back under the law. And when I don't come back under the law, they say very mean things. I've been accused by Orthodox Jews as being worse than Hitler. I mean, how can that be? How can that be? Worse than Hitler? And, and uh, uh, so, so, you know, these things have come at me. I've been accused by, by, by people of other faiths that, you know, the destruction that awaits me because of the positions that I've taken. I've been accused by people because of my, my positions on origin of life and evolution. Those things that I've taken, that they're coming after me. And so, you know, at some point you're like, <laughs> you just give up. I mean, you just, just go about my life. Just go about my life. If you serve him, he will honor you. And then in the midst of that, God keeps dropping things on me. All these good discoveries we're making in the lab. And it's not me, it's my students. And then we publish these papers, and my name's on the paper with my students, and people only remember my name. <laughs> you know, the students are the ones who invented it. But that's, that's the amazing thing about this career. They just look, oh, it must have been the professor. And if I say, no, it wasn't me, it was the student. Then they think, oh, what a magnanimous man. <laughs> He's giving credit to his student. And, and uh, that's just the way the field is. God blesses so much. You want advancement? Serve the Son of God. Serve Him. God said to Abram, walk before me. Walk before me. Walk before me. Live with me. Live with me. This is what He tells him. Live with me. Walk before me and you'll be blessed. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. What am I going to run now? Because this guy says some, in, some videos are going to be made of me and I ought to retract them. I didn't post them anywhere. I don't have a YouTube channel. I don't. I have no control over what's been posted about me. People have filmed these things and they post it when it comes to the YouTubes. I don't have a YouTube channel. The only thing that I control is my website where I put these messages every Sunday. That's it. And, uh, um, but, but the YouTube stuff, I don't have a YouTube channel. These have been posted. I have no control over that anyway. If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. All sorts of things come. 
I mean, people have come at me and they, they threaten me because they say I'm the Antichrist. I've been accused of being the Antichrist, not just an Antichrist, the Antichrist. And you guys are coming to this class. Because through my nanotechnology, I'm going to bring on the end of the world. I didn't know I had that much influence. I didn't know that. And, and so you, you get all these things coming at you and all these accusations. But you just think about Jesus and the things that were said about him. If you're going to take a stand, things are going to be said. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. There's great honor in this. Jesus elaborated this uh, on this in John chapter 14. So turn over to John chapter 14. And he spoke about this a little bit more. In John chapter 14. He says, in reading from verse 21, John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So if we reflect back as to what was said to Abram in Genesis chapter, chapter 17, verse 1, he says, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. You walk close to me and you be blameless. Your character is important, he says. It doesn't mean you're perfect. I mean, the great thing about the word of God, it is full of people just like us. Abram had great failures. Abram told lies that got him in big trouble. But God uses him. It's not that we're without failure. It's that there's a repentant heart that we keep coming back in repentance. He says, walk before me and be blameless. Be blameless. You know, there's, there's this verse in Proverbs that I love. This verse in Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. That's why I tell you when we're taking the Lord's Supper, when the Holy Spirit brings something, just confess it to the Lord. Confess it to the Lord. But he who confesses and forsakes them, it's not just confessing, it's turning away from them, will find compassion. God has compassion in this way. So in John 14, 21, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, is the one who loves me. How do you demonstrate your love to Jesus? You keep the commandments of Jesus. That's how we demonstrate love. You can say, well, if I say, you know, five hallelujahs. No, it doesn't count. The what, what demonstrates our love for Jesus is that we keep his commandments. That's what he said. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. And he who loves me will by, be loved by my Father. Remember this thing, you love the Son, the Father's going to love you. He who loves me by keeping my commandments is going to be loved by my Father. My Father will love that person. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Lord Jesus, I give you every bit of my love is for you. Lord Jesus, may I obey your word. May I keep your commandments. May I keep your commandments. The Father will love me all the more for loving his Son. And, I, and he says, and Jesus said, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. I will disclose myself to that person. The more we keep his commandments, the more he discloses himself to us. God told Abram, walk before me and be blameless. Be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. Verse 22, 
Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, remember there was a disciple, there, was, there were two Judases. One was the betrayer and one was another one of the twelve disciples. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. How do we demonstrate love for the Lord Jesus Christ? We keep his word. We keep his word. This is important for the believer. It's important that we strive to keep the word of God. And when we blow it, we confess this, we turn away from the evil and we try to walk toward the good. And you will never, never be totally delivered from yourself. Never. But it's a heart learning to walk closer to God. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Jesus then again says, my father's going to love that person who keeps my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Who's the we? That's Jesus and his father. We already know you're a believer. The Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. But Jesus and the father will take up residence within you as well. We will come to him and make our abode with him. Don't trouble yourself. We are coming to you. I mean, what a deal. We will come to him and make our abode with him. Look at the closeness that God promises us. We will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear, the word which you hear is not mine, but my father's who sent me. Verse 26. Verse 26 now. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I spoke to you. Remember, the disciples penned the, the, uh, uh, all these things after Jesus had, had, had died on the cross. How did they remember all of this? Jesus told them, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your, your remembrance the things that I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit brought it to their remembrance. But then he says this in verse 27 of John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I mean, this verse speaks volumes to me. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Let them make their YouTube videos. I bet they'll, it'll, it'll, it might have like seven views anyway. I mean, and, and, and uh, uh, don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Don't let your heart be troubled. He says, I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give you my peace. Remember, they, you line up people. You take from the happiest people to the most discontent people. And it correlates one-to-one with the ability to be generous. Generosity. Generosity. You give of yourself. You give of yourself and you get so much more back. He says, I'm going to give you peace. Peace. I'm just going to leave it with you. I'm just going to shower peace. My peace I give to you. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's not a peace like the world has. It's something much deeper. An amazing peace I'm going to give to you. 
I'm going to give you peace. The same sort of thing is told us in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, reading from verse 8. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You're lying in bed and you start thinking about something and it just starts stirring up in your mind and you cannot get to sleep because you're worried about something and it just, it's like this vortex. The more you think about it, the, the faster you start spinning. Has that ever happened to you? Okay, happens to me. The Bible gives us a solution. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You make a conscious effort to think about things that are good. Start reciting Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, what a beautiful thought. In the midst of this vortex, I start saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And all of a sudden, it starts slowing down. The Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? The Lord, remember El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Lord is my shepherd. My, he's my shepherd. Look at my shepherd. You sure you want to mess with me? He's my shepherd right there. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, He watches out for me. I shall not want. There's nothing here that I have to have. I shall not want all these things that I'm worried about. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. And you just take good thoughts and you start filling your mind with good thoughts and all of a sudden, poof, you get out of that vortex and you fall asleep. He gives to His beloved sleep. This is what he says. If there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Just let your mind dwell on it. Then he says the things in verse 9, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You want peace? You practice these things. What things in Philippians chapter 4 verse 9? The things in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. You practice these things. You practice dwelling on the things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good, excellent, worthy of praise. You practice dwelling on these things. You see, it's a conscious effort. It is taking your conscience and just your consciousness and just training it to dwell on that which is right. And what's the outcome of this? Peace will come upon you. Peace comes upon you. To the one here who does not know Jesus, I say, come to Jesus this day. Jesus has given himself for you. His eye is on you. He loves you. He loves you. His eye is on you. He loves you. Give your heart to him today. The whole core of the gospel is summed up in this word. Come. Come unto me. Come. That's the gospel message. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to Jesus. He has given His life for you. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This whole idea of believing that he's risen from the dead, this is so hard for a scientist to comprehend. How how can people in science get this? I mean, how could this be? Every week I see somebody coming to the Lord, and it's almost all the people that I speak with are highly educated people. And in a five-minute conversation, I speak about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has risen from the dead. There's so much proof of this resurrection, so much documentation historically. But you don't even need that, because God has placed that, because God has placed that truth on the heart of his chosen ones. He's already placed it there. And remember, if you are here today, you are among his chosen ones. How do I know? Because if you were not among his chosen ones, you wouldn't be here. You'd be, you'd be somewhere else. Satan would just be having a delightful time with you. This is the last place he wants you to come. The truth of Jesus Christ, his rising from the dead. I was speaking with a, with a mechanical engineering professor just this week, and I was sitting in his office, and we had five minutes together. And he says, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of peace. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so easy. It's just so easy. And I pulled out this one verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and I said, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And God has placed the truth of his resurrection on your heart already. And you say, oh, well, he must have grown up in a Christian home. No, he grew up in Iran, in a Muslim home. Within five minutes, he says, yes, I want to pray with you. And we prayed right there. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how educated they are. This guy's a professor. It happens again and again. And then I was in a limousine just later on that same day, being taken back to the airport. Limousine. I mean, it wasn't a big fancy fancy. It was a limo driver. You know, they get somebody to drive you to the airport. I mean, it's not here in Houston. It's not like I drive myself to the airport, all right? But they, they get, you know, they, they get your driver and they take you to the airport. And this driver was the same driver who had taken me to that university the day before. And he happened to be the same driver taking me away. And I had left him with it. And, I, and I, I, just before I left his car, we had had a conversation. I said, you got to look on YouTube. So I brought up this, this one message that I had given on YouTube. And I said, watch this tonight. He says, I will. And then the next day, it was the same limo driver. I said, did you watch the, the video? He says, yeah, I did. I said, what do you think? He says, impactful. I mean, from a limo driver, that's pretty good. And, and, uh, and so we, we had this conversation. And before we got to the airport, I mean, he's given his life to Jesus. This thing works, the truth. And he's just believing in the resurrection. It works. The resurrection is true. If you do not know the Lord today, I say, come to him. Jesus has place the truth of his resurrection. Jesus was buried and after three days he rose from the dead. This truth is already there. Just say, Lord Jesus, you are Lord and I believe you have risen from the dead. I'm going to pray now and I invite you to say this prayer with me and then you owe me something. You got to come up to me and tell me. You got to let me know because I want to make sure that you're properly cared for. Just like this Iranian professor that I had prayed with, and I said, somebody, I'm going to send somebody to you. I said, I don't know anybody right now, but I'll find somebody. I'm going to send somebody to you to come and work with you and teach you. I said, you be open to them. He said, okay. Later on that afternoon, I went 
and I was visiting another professor in the same department, and he, he was, uh, uh, he told me he was, well, he, he told me, he says, you know, I've been here a year and a half, I'm not so sure how, how much I like this job. I said, where are you from? He said, South Korea. I said, are you Christian? I mean, there's just so many Christians in South Korea. And he pulled the Bible off his desk, a Korean English Bible. He says, yeah, I, I, I feel like I want to be a preacher, and here I'm stuck being a professor. I said, oh, you can preach in this job. I said, I have a task for you. I said, you've got to disciple this guy. And he was like, yeah, that give me something to do. He was really excited. So I had the, the discipler, and then I could encourage him in this. So we already had the discipler for the guy who got saved that morning. God does this. God is the one who looks out for these people. Let's pray. Abba Father, thank you so much for this day, the grace of God and the mercies of God. I pray now for the lost who are here, that this very day they would invite Jesus in their hearts, that they would not delay. Even as the scriptures say, I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. Father, I pray for these unbelievers here today, that you would save their souls. And if you don't know Jesus here today, pray this prayer with me. Pray it. Lord Jesus, say those words. Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that he's risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for the believers here that they would walk before you and be blameless. That they would learn to love and honor Jesus through the keeping of his commandments. And that then you would honor them. Honor them as you have promised to do. And that you would make, up, make your abode with them as you have promised to do. Lord Jesus, have mercy on them, I pray. And I commit their lives to you. Lord, do great things through their lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.